0: So this morning's message is on uh, in Mark chapter 10, and it's uh, Jesus healing Bartimaeus, and the the whole topic is going to be about sight, okay, and uh, both physical sight, but then also spiritual eyesight. I don't know if you've thought about your eyesight and how important it is. I've gone from uh, no glasses to glasses, to bifocals, to trifocals, to size 18 font when I preach. So eyesight's become quite a precious commodity to me, and one that I value greatly, and I've often pondered, how would I function if I actually lost my eyesight? And this morning we're going to be talking about people who can, who were given the gift of sight, but we're also going to be talking about people who, even though they could see, couldn't see. So <coughs> let's pray together, and we'll walk into that this morning. Father, thank you so much for this story, and stories like it, and the things you did with people, and Lord, eyesight's a precious thing. To be able to see you is even more valuable. And Lord, as we walk through this this morning, this is one of those great messages that just connects on all kinds of different levels. And uh, it gives you great opportunity to speak to us uh, in individual ways, to speak to us as couples, speak to us as families. To have discussion together, what it means to see you, and Lord, we we ask that in your kindness, as a good Father, you would come down through the power of your Spirit this morning and just have a conversation with us. Your manifest presence is deeply uh, desired. We, you are the guest of honor, and we would love you to be honored this morning. So give that to you a great joy and ask this in your name, Amen. All right. So turn to Mark uh, chapter ten. And we're going to start with verse 46. And it reads like this. We're just going to read it together. It says, And they came to Jericho. And we'll talk about Jericho in a second. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling for you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now when we're talking about this story, let's just get, uh, maps are kind of helpful. And we've been talking about the journey that they've taken. So Jesus starts out in Nazareth, then goes to the Sea of Galilee, heads up to Caesarea Philippi, comes back to Capernaum. Now they are traveling south and they get down here uh, into the area that is uh, Jericho along The Jordan River. Jericho is about five miles in from the Jordan River and it's the place where everything gathers before everybody heads up the mountain to go up to Jerusalem, which is about 14 miles away. Alright, so get the context now. Jesus is on the path. He's turned and now they're getting ready to head uh, towards Jerusalem. Uh, Mark has this event happening as Jesus is leaving Jericho. If you read Luke, Luke has it as Jesus is entering Jericho, and and that can be kind of confusing. Uh, The discrepancy there may be there was an old Jericho and a new Jericho. There was an old city and a new city, and they may have been leaving one and entering the other. Matthew's account is even more different in that there are two blind men. So it makes it a little more confusing. But what's not in dispute is the title by which Bartimaeus called out to Jesus. A very unique title. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. The Expositor's Bible Commentary points out that this title is clearly Messianic. Right? It says, and they came to Jericho. And as, he was, as they were leaving, this blind guy cries out to him. And then, when he, once he cried out to him, oops, go to the next one there. Oh, it went too far. There we go, back. okay. And many rebuked him, telling, him, "Be silent, you know, shut up, dude, right? Don't you know?" It's... And he cried out all the more, "Son of David, have mercy!" I mean, you can imagine shouting over a crowd the kind of volume uh, that you'd have to have. And Jesus stopped. He heard the, over all the ruckus. Jesus heard the voice. Okay, kind of like on Sunday morning, if you're ever here when Gary Goldstein's here, and over everybody else singing, you can hear Gary in the back corner. Kind of like that effect, right? And um, Now here's the interesting thing about Bartimaeus. We have very little information on him. Uh, We don't know how, where, or when Bartimaeus became aware of Jesus and his ministry. We don't even know a lot about him. Bartimaeus uh, simply means the son of Timaeus. So we don't even know his whole name or his full name uh, or his real name. What we do know is he was a beggar. And um, beggars may be down and outers, but here's the thing about them. They were smart. They sat on the busiest intersections of the town, right? They knew where people were coming through and they knew where their best chance of getting a handout was. And so they sat on the street corners and uh, lanes where people were going to be coming through. And Jericho is a major hub of business, transaction, trade. Herod had his summer palace there. <clears throat> and all the stories, news and gossip rolled down those streets, and Bartimaeus would have been poised, sitting there all day begging to hear the latest, and he was certainly aware uh, of who Jesus was and what he had been doing, right? So he had picked up, and when he heard, and they said, "Hey, that's the, what's the noise? What's the noise? That's Jesus coming through. Uh, that's when he responded. Okay? How do we know he was aware of who Jesus was? Look at how he responded. It was with a title. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. That is a a very unique title. This title cried out on a busy, noisy street in the midst of a huge crowd was a huge gamble, right? What are the odds that the the parade's going to stop just because you cry out? Probably zilch, right? Uh, Here's a man, he had no future. He had few options, right? Right? And almost no place. As a matter of fact, he was squatting on a corner. He didn't even own that, right? He just happened to put himself there. This would kind of be like, if you wanted to put it in modern terms for in Seattle, how we'd understand it, this would be going like down to the VMAC, right? And standing outside the VMAC yelling out, hey, Pete Carroll, coach of the Seahawks, give me some tickets. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, all the odds, what are the odds of that happening? That Pete would stop turning and go, "Oh, sure, my friend. Here, right? What are the odds of that?" And the same were for Bartimaeus. The odds were against him. Plus, he was shushed. You ever been? You ever been shushed? Shh, right? I have been a lot of times. I tend to be loved. Shh, right? Get shushed. Nah, quiet. Pete Carroll doesn't have time for you, and we don't want people standing out here in our parking lot yelling. Right. <laughs> That's kind of the effect or flavor that probably would have come across. But rather than stop Bartimaeus and intimidate him, it makes him cry out all the louder. He is not about to let this go by. He is anchored on this thing and he is launching. right? So at the top of his voice, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And it was enough to catch Jesus' attention and for him to stop the whole procession and then demand that the man be brought to him. So he says, stop, call him, tell him to come. Uh, it says that Bartimaeus threw off his cloak, and that's an interesting, if you read up on it a little bit, beggars actually wore cloaks that had identifying marks on them. So number one, you knew they were a beggar, but they, they had identifying marks in terms of what type of beggar they were, which is kind of interesting. We don't think of that being delineated out, but there actually were different types of beggars. So in faith, he, it's, the passage says he throws off his cloak, uh, in a sense, casting off his old identity, right? And then comes to Jesus. Jesus already knew that this dude had faith. How did he know that? Because of the title he used. When Bartimaeus called out and said, Jesus, son of David, he didn't say Jesus, son of Mary. He didn't say, hey, Jesus, miracle worker. Hey, Jesus from Nazareth. He used a very specific title. It was a, It's a messianic title. It's one that you find that David uses in, in the Psalms. Okay. Son of David, the one who was to come, the Messiah. That is who you are and that's why I'm crying out to you. And Jesus looks him dead in the eye and he says this to him. What do you want me to do for you? Basic question. And he looks right back at him and says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now this is a flat out first rate miracle. All right? Boom. We know a couple we know two things from Bartimaeus's request. Number 1 what we know is that he wasn't always blind. How do we know that? Because he says let me recover my sight. It means he once had it and has lost it somehow. We don't know the details or history or any of that, but we know that he once could see. Now he's blind and he's asking Jesus to recover his sight. And two, he believed just that, that Jesus could do that. He had full faith. That's why he was crying out. He knew that Jesus could actually do that. And so he's motivated to come and speak to Jesus. Uh, You know, the speculation would be that um, probably his blindness had reduced him to begging. That happens in our culture. Right? Uh if you read up on homelessness, what you'll find out is that a lot of people that are homeless aren't necessarily drug addicts or aren't necessarily they've had a series of circumstances that have crashed into them and there was a point where they couldn't recover and they found themselves out on the street. And and there's a lot of stories like that. And that sounds like what this was happening with Bartimaeus. You know, was he a tradesman or was he a, a businessman, a shopkeeper? Right? Think about where you would be In your career, if suddenly now uh, you lost your sight. Bob, you're a teacher. How far would that go? Right? Right? So it it would radically affect, and that seems to be uh, what had happened. But again, we know that he had faith. Jesus, and how do we know this? From a second phrase, and it comes from Jesus himself. Jesus says, What? Go your way. Your faith has made you well. There has to be an engagement part. It isn't all just God. God can do almost anything He wants, but He's looking for people who believe that He can do it. He's looking for people who will engage with Him. And Jesus looked at this guy and says, Go, your faith has made you well. Your faith in Me has healed you. And immediately, it says, that's one of John Mark's favorite words, immediately, He recovers his sight. No mud, no spitting, no recovering his eyes with Jesus' hand. Your faith has made you well. Go on your way. You can start life over again. That's how powerful a thing faith is. And faith in Christ is an enormous um, gift. Bartimaeus has a sight. He could go back to what he was doing. He could pick up whatever it was that he used to do and start. But that's not what the text says. It says that um, he follows Jesus. He stays with the crowd. And this actually would be one of the more fascinating, if you think through all the Bible stories you know, this would actually be one of the more fascinating stories uh, where if we knew the account, as Paul Harvey would say, as to what happened with the rest of the story. Right? Because we don't know. We don't know what actually happened. Uh, Did Bartimaeus follow Jesus all the way to Jerusalem? Did he become a disciple? Did he lead others to faith in Jesus? Did he go back to his old career? Uh, And if so, what was it? And how did the story play out? Did he have a family? We don't know any of that stuff. Wouldn't that be fascinating uh, when you get to heaven to ask and find out how that story actually went? But here's the interesting point. Bartimaeus, who was blind, could see Jesus. For who he really was. Many who could see, who had their sight, couldn't. And so the blind guy sees, and the seeing people are blind. He had what Jesus called eyes of faith. There's another interesting story, if you want to turn to it, in John chapter 9. There's another man blind, uh, born blind. And this is a, a, a story that parallels... Bartimaeus, this guy though has been blind from birth. And the disciples um, are talking about this. Uh, This guy is born blind like our friend Bartimaeus who is also a beggar. And and so people knew who he was and, and Jesus healed him by putting mud on his eyes. And the disciples had asked Jesus, you know, who sinned? This man or his parents? And the idea behind there is somebody sinned and that's why he was born blind. Who, who actually sinned? And Jesus said, Neither his parents nor he have sinned. This was done for the glory of God. And Jesus is about to reveal what he's to do with this blind man as well. So Jesus heals him by putting mud on his eyes and everybody's freaking out over it. Right? Like they don't know what to do with it. So they bring the man to the Pharisees and their Pharisees get their undies all in a bundle. Right? Over the fact that Jesus had healed him on the Sabbath day. You're supposed to laugh at that. That was pretty funny. All right? And so they asked him, the beggar, they asked him in to find out what had happened. And he then tells them the story of what Jesus did. And a sharp division arose uh, over the telling of the story as to whether Jesus was actually good or not. Now they were saying he's not. Other people said, well, how can he not be if he's healed a man born blind? So they called the man's parents in. And his parents are smart. They say, yeah, that's our son. We can verify the fact that's our son. We look at him, that's him. Uh, but how he received his eyesight, we don't know. Go ask him. He's of age. What's going on here? The the Pharisees were exerting enormous pressure, enormous social pressure, and had already decided that if anybody confessed Jesus as Christ, they would be put out of the synagogue, all right? That's literally being disowned in the Jewish culture. You have nothing if you're put out of the synagogue, okay? You, you no longer can come and worship. But more than that, you can't trade, you can't barter, you can't do business because nobody will work with you because you're now anathema, right? And, and so there's great, great fear tied to this. So that's why the parents said, I, we, that's our son, but ask him, we don't know. What does this tell us? It tells us the deck's already loaded, right? They're not interested in finding out about the story, they already have their minds made up. They, have, they don't have any interest in whether Jesus' claims are really true or not. Or whether he, who he claims to be is actually true. They're trying to find a way to disqualify Jesus' claims. And so they bring the man in a second time. And so for the second time, this is the second guy, this is in John chapter 9, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. You always know that's a gun to your head, right? That's a loaded agenda right there. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Uh, These famous words, I once was blind, but now I see, were later incorporated by another blind beggar and a former slave trader named John Newton into the eternal song, Amazing Grace. I believe we'll be singing that in heaven. Unbelievable. But it's over the issue of sight. But back to this man, like Bartimaeus, who had also uh, not only received this physical ability to see, but this guy, John 9, also had these same eyes of faith. He knew who Jesus was. So a huge argument erupts over the character and the motivation of Jesus. And they come back to the man and they say to him, Tell us again, what did he do to you? And the beggar says, what? Well, I already told you. Why, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Whoa, that really lit a wick. Okay, They, are, they blow up. They revile the beggar. You have been steeped in sin since your birth. How dare you teach us? Right? They, they went off. They cast him out. Now, can you say pride at this point? You want to look at a place where pride looks like? You want to see what it looks like? This is what it looks like. How dare you talk to us? We are so far above you, and you were born in sin at your birth. How dare you lecture us? Pride. Pride is a huge stumbling block. Jesus later finds him and asks him if he believes in the Son of Man. And he says, well, who is he, sir, that I may worship him? And Jesus says simply, the one who's speaking to you is he. And it says that he believed and he worshipped him. Then Jesus goes on to say this. I believe this applies for both Bartimaeus and this guy in John 9. He says, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard these and said to him, Well, are we blind also? And Jesus said to him, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. See, when they were saying, Are we blind also? They weren't saying, Are we blind also? They are saying, We see. How dare you accuse us of that? What are you saying? We're like those blind guys? No, we we see, we know the scriptures. We we we're steeped in the law. We we've got eyes. You know, this is kind of harsh. Jesus can sound kinda harsh here. But um, here's the point. These miracles had been done right in front of them. You ever said, boy, God, if you just did a miracle, I'd really believe, right? Well, Jesus heals Bartimaeus. Jesus heals this man in John 9. They're done right in front of the Pharisees. They clearly saw the evidence of what had taken place. They were speaking to the very people that this had happened to but they refused to give proper and right credit to Jesus for what He had done. What did they do? They tried to twist it. And because they tried to twist it, that's why they were still blind. What do I mean by, by twisting it? When you think of here, you know, the question is, what's the, the pre-existing condition that's in the Pharisees' heart? Well, here's, here's what they decided. They had already decided that Jesus wasn't from God. Go through and look through, read. Uh, you can pick this up all through the Gospels. But they had decided from the onset that he could not be. They, their argument was, well, there was no prophet from Galilee. Uh, go ahead and there's no prophet from Nazareth. And it doesn't fill. And we've got it all figured out. But what they were really concerned about, Jesus was a threat to their stuff, their position. And they did not want to yield and give up their stuff for their position. And so they were giving everything they had with all the guns they had to take them out. The miracles were real. And they had, the, the miracles had a source, right? They, they had a source uh, that they came from. But for them, it certainly wasn't from God. So if Jesus was doing these things and he wasn't from God, then where did they come from? Their evaluation that must have come from the devil. These are counterfeits from the devil to lead the people astray. That was that's what they came up with. Therefore the charge that he Jesus cast out demons by demons. Yeah, Jesus has power, but he has power from demons and it's a it's a charade game to, to cast out other demons. It just looks like he's doing something, but it's really to lead the people astray. They said he cast out demons by Beelzebub. Interesting enough, Beelzebub, just a little side note. Beelzebub, the name actually means Lord of the Flies. Remind anybody of a book they've read back in the day? Right? But the Lord of the Flies, the Lord of the Minerdome. That's what they were calling here. And the man has a great comeback. For this. this is one of the most incredible responses in all of Scripture. He goes, Why, this is an amazing thing. You gotta read that in there. He didn't just go, Why, this is an amazing thing. Okay? That was not how he was talking. Because he looked, he was incredulous. He knew it got a different. He's going like, This is an incredible thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. Hello, McFly, get a clue, right? We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Boom! What an argument! Nails it. Clear. Never, since the world began, Pharisees, think through. you guys go all the. that's never been heard. It's never been done before. How could this not be from God? Look at me, I can see. Look what he did for me. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. What a powerful assessment. How clear is that? And you think they respond with gratitude and thanks. Thank you for showing us the error of our ways. We really appreciate that. Is that what happened? No, they reviled and vomited all over them, right? So they totally reject both the man and the evidence. Okay, so this... Stop for a second. Let's think this through for a minute. What's really going on here, All right? Don't just look at the symptoms of things, but what's actually going on here? What's the -the behind-the-scenes issue that's perking to the surface in these stories? What is central to both stories and precedes the faith issue? And I want to suggest to you this morning, it's this. It's an authority issue. If you think through almost all of our battles with God, they come down to an authority issue. As I've said many times, control is our drug of choice and half the time we really don't care if it's wrecking our lives or someone else's as long as i'm in control I, i'll hang on and the idea of yielding control is a very scary threatening thing what does it say he looked at jesus and says lord i believe and then he worshiped him right the central issue in our culture today is an authority issue over who's the boss who has the right to set the rules? Who's legitimate? Who's not legitimate? Both the beggar and Mark and the beggar and John had resolved the authority issue before they approached Jesus. It was a done deal in their heart. They had already surrendered. It was just a matter of following through because all the words came. Why? Because they'd been thinking it through and they knew how they were going to respond to Jesus. If Jesus ever showed up in their life, they were going to respond to Him as God. And in both stories, they did. Right? Therefore, when Jesus showed up, their faith could be activated, and as a result, they both could see. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were deeply entrenched in their opposition to Jesus' authority. And therefore, they remained blind. I was very forcefully reminded this again at my mom's funeral. In case you don't know, my mom passed away three weeks ago and we had to make the run back to Wisconsin, which is why I haven't seen you and you haven't seen me. Dan and I were laughing. We haven't seen each other for three months because they've been gone. I've been gone uh, kind of thing. But uh, after my mom's uh, funeral, and of course we had, uh, I come from a Catholic background, if you don't know that, and uh, the church in Sugarbush. And uh, so we, that's where the mass was held for my mom. And uh, after the funeral, we went to my brother Mark's house. And uh, crazy. Pam was there. there were like 50 people. Kids running everywhere. Decibel level at about 10. Everybody's having a great time. And my nephew Dan comes up to me. You now, My nephew Dan is, Dan is my uh, brother Jim's son, oldest son. And Dan was the ring bearer in our wedding. Right? So we kind of have a special tie with him. And uh, he and his wife um, have come to know Christ. They... Uh, miraculous were saved about five years ago and uh, they're in a great church in green bay and he came up to me at my brother's place in the middle of this chaos there's just people kids running through our legs and stuff and he comes up and he he goes steve it's all there and at first i thought he was talking about the counter where all the food was right like there's a lot i go yeah it really is then i realized no no he's talking about something else and i go what he goes it's all there and he really looked shook and i go what do you mean he says At church, it was all there. And I went, ah, you mean the gospel? He goes, yes, it's all there. He said, I heard it. It's there. It's in the service. I'd never heard it. How could I never heard it before? And I said, well, Dan, before when you went to church, you went to church to prove to everybody else you were a good guy. And you went to church to throw God a bone, right? And he goes, yeah. And I said, but it really, the authority issue was never settled. You were the boss, not Jesus. So you did your life and you, know, you did all the stuff you did. And I won't name all the stuff he did, but he did the stuff that most of us do before we know Jesus too. And, and I said, you did all that, right? And I said, then you came to Christ. And what was involved with that? Surrender. And I said, because you're surrendered, you now have eyes of faith. And when you go, you actually can see it. He's like, whoa. Just, you know, just blew his mind. And then he got this look of horror on his face. And he looked around and he said to the rest, he goes, they don't see it, do they? I go, no. And he was just stunned standing there looking because he realized that all his cousins couldn't see what he saw that day even though they were all sitting together in the same place. What's the difference? Dan had settled the authority issue. Jesus was his Lord. Jesus is his king. Jesus is his boss. He he and his wife are raising a gorgeous, four girls, gorgeous family, full of faith. And I said to him, you know what that means, Dan? What? I said, that means you need to be a light to all your cousins. Wow. Right, So I actually just sent him uh, Jan's book, The Safe King, and we're going to walk through the authority issue and dialogue over FaceTime together on it and uh, talk about how he can reach out to his cousins. But it was so startling clear. He had never seen it before. And it was the first time I think in four or five years he'd been back to the Catholic Church and he actually saw the Gospel and he was like, It blew his mind how he could have sat there most of his life and never seen it. Now, here's the question this morning. Is that a Catholic issue? Is that a Catholic issue? I want to suggest to you it's not. That could be our issue. Just because we're a Bible-teaching church and a Bible-believing church and a Jesus-praising church doesn't mean that all of us have eyes of faith. It doesn't mean all of us see Jesus as Lord and Savior. Some of us could be sitting in that pew all our life and never really acknowledge Jesus as Lord. It's an authority issue. And because we don't acknowledge Him as Lord, we don't have eyes of faith. It's church, right? It's just church. That's why you need to pray for your kids. You're doing a great job bringing your kids here and we're trying to do a great job working with your kids and teaming and partnering with you on that. But our kids need to meet Jesus. And not just meet Him, But they need to have an encounter with Him that they surrender to Him. There's a big difference between meeting Him. The Pharisees met Jesus. Never changed Him. The big difference between meeting Him and meeting Him and surrendering to Him. This is in Philippians. Therefore God has highly exalted Him. Him being the Lord Jesus Christ based off of His death on the cross and His resurrection from the dead and bestowed on Him a name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This will happen. This is not a, I hope so, This is not a kind of sort of. This is not, well, some of us can and some of us won't. This is everyone will gather before the throne and bow the knee and confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why Jesus came. Now, re-listen to this message now. Remember, go back to the beginning of Mark. What was the original statement Jesus made at the introduction and the opening of the gospel. He said this, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What is God calling people to do? Repent. Turn from our own way. Turn from our own kingdom. Turn from our own rule and turn to His rule. Turn to His government. Yield to His authority. You know, Kneeling before someone, if you think about that, if you talk about kneeling, that's not really a practice that we have. But kneeling before someone has always been universally recognized as a symbol of humility and submission. Right? Think of the knights of the round table, right? And they'd bow the knee before the king. Kneeling has also always been associated with repentance. Normally, if you're going to repent, the first thought that comes to your mind, people don't even really have to tell you, is you, you kind of bow. You bow on your knees. If you think about it, it's more of a heart posture than a body posture, but the body posture doesn't hurt. Body posture helps a lot. right? Sometimes you've got to get your body to do what your heart's trying to do, and then the heart can follow. Like these beggars, Bartimaeus, and the man born blind in John 9, let us come humbly to Jesus. Let us come repentantly to Jesus. Let us come full of faith. Let's come to Jesus with the eyes of faith. Jesus, Son of David, we know who You are. Lord Jesus, have You ever said, I wish I could see You? You ever said that, prayer? We can through the eyes of faith. Help me gain my sight. Help me gain my sight. If there was ever an era, if there was ever a generation that needed its sight back, it would be our generation and it would be our country right now. These two blind guys knew something that people with their eyesight didn't. They knew who Jesus was and they knew how to approach him because why they had decided the authority issue before they ever ran into him. Have we bowed the knee? Have we said, Lord Jesus, I recognize you as the authority and I ask you to come into my heart and I ask you to forgive my sins? And based off of your death on the cross, I know my sins are covered. And by your resurrection, I know I have hope for eternal life. I'm saved because of what you've done for me, not for what I've done for you. Think through how many people you know haven't bowed the knee. Who do we need to pray for? So I thought I'd do that this morning. I thought I'd kneel before us and pray. As the lead, I thought that would be a good thing for me to do. So uh, would you stand, please? You don't have any place to kneel, so would you stand? I'm just going to kneel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, this morning I kneel before you because I'm not the shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd, but I'm not the shepherd. You're the great shepherd. Lord Jesus, every Sunday is a miracle. Every Sunday is an incredible opportunity for you to be at work in miraculous ways. And Lord, every Sunday is a Sunday that our blindness can be taken away and we can be given eyes of faith. We pray for eyes of faith this morning. Help us know how to walk with You. Help us know how to reach other people. Help us, Lord, in our weakness. If in our weakness You are made strong, then God, You have an incredible opportunity to reveal Yourself to our culture, our town, our families, our children, our friends, our parents. We ask that You would be at work and that You would give us eyes of faith this week as we leave this place. And we seek You for that in Your name. Amen.